War's over, Mr. Price. No need to bring it back. Bring it back? It never went away. Not for me. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. Welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you enjoyed our discussion about um, Wish Bank, the middle segment of episode four of the uh, the 80s Twilight Zone. Uh, it was a comedy episode and we've made it out the other end. Hooray, everybody. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm glad that one's over, actually. It was a short episode, and I'm glad it's over. <laughs> but, like, the whole, like, the people disappearing, they hear that, verp, like, noise. I'm like, that, no, I'm good. I don't need that. I don't need the Devo hats. I think we're good now. So, so yeah, uh, welcome to Strange Highways. This is the show in which we watch The Twilight Zone in order, uh, episode by episode. We have covered the 60 series in it. Like, here's the dumb, the dumb thing that occurred to me today, um, like, and as much as we've been doing the show for years. The now that we're covering the '80s Twilight Zone, there is less time between the '80s iteration of the Twilight Zone and the '60s version of the Twilight Zone than us now talking about the '80s Twilight Zone. I don't know why that just that this like it's that weird like Back to the Future thing of like, oh shit, yeah, time keeps moving, right? And somehow the story we're going to talk about tonight, like there's um, there's a lot there to dig that is like very relevant, right? So. And to think about, well, we'll get into that, but like how they treat warfare, right? And the talking about trauma. So, so yeah, if you guys want to go back and listen to this five seasons of the original series, it's available. We've covered both seasons of the Jordan Peele produced a Paramount Plus uh, series as well. Go find that. Um, so yeah, here we are. It's uh, season one, um, episode four, segment C, Nightcrawlers. Um, so um, let's get into who did what. All right, so uh, director here is a very familiar name amongst the uh, horror community, Mr. William Friedkin. Friedkin, um, most people would know him from directing The Exorcist. Uh, obviously, a great film, great genre film. Uh, pushed a lot of envelopes with it, with the way he produced that movie, and yes. we're going to get into some of those notes here in a little bit. <laughs> uh, he also directed The French Connection, the original, uh, and an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, so um, here, here's my big admission. I, The Exorcist is one of those films that I hold up as like, like damn near perfect, right? And then also when they did the re-release of the version you've never seen when uh, you end up getting that uh, that introduced segment of the spider walk mm-hmm. segment, which, I mean, I'm already getting goosebumps. It's like I despise that because it bothers me so much because it's effective, right? Right. Um, so I know that. And then, also, and then he also directed, I believe he directed Exorcist 3, there's two different cuts of that too. And he, the Exorcist three isn't a perfect film, but, um, but no, what, he didn't direct it. It was the writer of the book of the Exorcist, right? I think that's who directed I, that book. I'm not that, completely that, that sure. Unfortunately, I don't know a whole lot about Actually, his I'll career. Actually, I'll take that back. Uh, uh, um, Exorcist three. 
I, I think William Peter Blady directed that. I'm sorry. The guy who wrote The Exorcist. My apologies. Um, I am, um, yeah, I'm a hack and a fraud. Anyway, so The Exorcist and The Version You've Never Seen are both very effective films. Um, like, just, like you mentioned, like genre changing, just like, it's one of those ones that just, it, it changes like, like, um, back in my younger days before I realized that there isn't a difference between like movies, I would kind of be like, well, that's a film. Like it's a horror film, but it's a, that's a film. Like I don't, cause it has, it has a polish and a class to it. Right. That like, but like, but now I think people would like use the term elevated horror. And I think that's kind of, it's, it's a bullshit term. Cause it's, it's, it's a goddamn horror film and it's scary as all get out, but it's so straight faced and just like, it goes for the throat. Like it's good. Right. So I've seen that. Um, I've seen his film he put out in like, what was it? Oh, the late nineties, early two thousands called bug. Bill, yeah. That's yeah. a, uh, that's a uh, Ashley Judd, right? Yeah. And yeah. also, um, Zod, um, the new Zod. Um, Oh yeah. Michael Shannon. Shannon. Yeah. It's good. It's weird. It's really weird. That's one I'm going to have to revisit. Yeah, it's like, it's very uncomfortable, but yeah. he does a good job of making it uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and so I've never seen the French connection, which I should, cause I know that's a, a great movie. Uh, he did another film called sorcerer, which I need to absolutely watch, which it involves a, what was it? A convoy, like a truck full of like napalm. Like was it napalm, like, not napalm, like uh, hydroglycerin being moved in like South America. And it's like, since that stuff is very easy to just detonate, it's like these people are like trying to get this, like, like oh, moving it through this, like, you know, contested war country. It looks tense as all get out. I need to watch it. He also did to live and die in LA, which like people hold that up too. So what I'm saying is Freakin's done a lot of important films and I've seen two of them, <laughs> you know? So, um, I do have some other information here for you. Um, so, uh, uh, he directed one of the last episodes of the Alfred Hitchcock hour in 65. So Hitchcock ad admonished freaking for not wearing a tie while directing. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> okay. like, well, cause like Hitchcock's always like you, you show up on set, you're, you're ready to go. Right. Mm -hmm. You'll see that. Um, Oh, um, uh, evil dead. Sam Raimi shows up on set always in a shirt and tie. Cause he's like, I'm a professional and this is how I want to conduct myself. Right. It's probably a lot of Hitchcock influence there. Right. So, um, so then after, after the exorcist freaking didn't hit the same type of like the highs. Right. So then sorcerer, uh, came out, what was it? Um, it came out a week before star Wars. So there you go. Like yeah, it was so you one, get one week to shine if possible, if possible. And, and it was like, he considers it his, his best film, but it was like just financially it just got destroyed because of star Wars. No one could have saw that coming. Yeah. So, um, he's also known for being a little, um, abrasive on set and we'll get into some of that trivia later um you know he he did he was known for firing a gun on set of the exorcist to get people upset yeah. um that you do not like you know don't do that you know but he did it and he was a man of um he he was a man that was a, a means to an end <laughs> you know so but there's a lot about freaking i need to, to get into more yeah, especially uh, for all those other films that you just listed, I have not seen either one of them. So, yeah. uh, you know, other than Bug, so and it's been so long. And, so and, but Bug, it's just it may not be perfect, but it's challenging and interesting. Yeah, so, yeah. So now, uh, now we'll get into our writers. Uh, we have two credits here. Um, the short story was originally done by Robert R. McCammon. Uh, he, he, this was one of two credits that we'll get we'll get another credit here for the uh you know, twilight zone 80s rendition and then 
more recently we covered uh, Dark Room, the the segment <laughs> yeah. makeup, and yeah, he had Billy Crystal. I was like, yeah. okay, that's a weird connection, right? Yeah. But evidently, uh, uh, Robert uh, McCam- McCameron has like a bunch of short stories and is like a very well established short story writer. Um, it sounds like this guy has like some interesting ideas. Um, yeah, like there's probably plenty to dig into. Yeah. So and then uh, then the next writing credit here, the teleplay was done by Philip. Uh, De Geers? Yeah, De, De Geyer. Yeah. De Geyer uh, Jr. Is the, he's the executive producer of this 80s Twilight Zone. So he actually wrote the teleplay. Yeah. And, you know, credit to him. Like, he, like we'll get into a little bit of the commentary later, the, the commentary track for this, for the, the episode. But it's like, my respect for him keeps going up every time I hear him talk about his handling of the series. Yeah. Like, I think he, I think he knew. Like, you know, like he got... He, he knew how he wanted to be a steward for the series. And then we'll obviously talk about him more in the future, but he also will have two more like somewhat writing credits mm-hmm. coming up. So um, worked on a bunch of Simon Simon. Not really familiar with the show. But yeah, Simon Simon, I think it was a CBS like mm-hmm. um, detective show, if I yeah. remember right. Yeah. And then uh, the... The long-running Jag, he did uh, some of the episodes of that. Um, so. I, just, I want to believe there's a Canadian version of that. It's called Jag Off, and it's just a bunch of assholes <laughs> like running around. Yeah, okay. <laughs> just like around, like around, like a, like um, a, like an Air Force base. It's just like you know, they're still solving crimes, but they're all idiots. Well, That's that, what I want. Jag was the uh, the original show to that led into NCIS, right? Yeah, it's like CBS, like. You know, they've never met a horse that they couldn't beat to death, turn into glue, and then uh, stick together other horses to beat to death and for procedural shows, right? Like, right. like I don't know what NCIS is, but there's NCIS, like, what was it, like, Miami, NCIS, I, I don't know, Dayton, in, in, <laughs> I don't know, NCIS, um, Arkansas, I don't know, I don't know how many. Arkham other, Asylum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, NCIS, uh, Saskatchewan, I don't know, but yeah, uh, yeah there's, <laughs> CMS is like, there. there's the new series they have called the FBI, and I think they released both FBI and then FBI International, like, together, and I'm like, wait, you haven't even proven the first show works, you're releasing two <laughs> at the same time? Uh, yeah, whatever. Whatever works. Yeah. Anyway. Um, if you can get it off the ground. Sure. Um, right. But uh, then we're into our cast. We go here. So we have uh, leading us off here. We got Scott Paulin. Uh, he plays Price in this uh, segment. Uh, he was born in uh, Steubenville, Ohio. So yeah, in Steubenville. There you go. Steubenville, yeah. Ohio. So that there's our little Ohio connection. If you're listening from other states, thank you. Uh, we're in Ohio. And we <laughs> take pride in it. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, one of us is from Ohio. The other one now lives here. Well, um, you're in Ohio now. I've been here since 2000, so <laughs> I've lived here longer than where I was from. So whatever. <laughs> like, I guess. I guess. I get. I guess I'm an Ohio, and I'll never say I'm a Buckeye. Nope. I'll never say that. No. 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 no, no. <laughs> but uh, and, and he. Um, some people might know him from the remake of Cat People, and he was in Teen Wolf mm-hmm. um, as the uh, director. Um, very quirky character in that movie. And then uh, also in Turner and Hooch, okay. the original. I, I, well, I have him also in an episode of Amazing Stories and Friday the 13th, the series. I He looked very recognizable to me, but it's like I, you know. he I, Well, he's definitely got a, a, a particular look to him that's yeah. like maybe he might be the bad guy, which he was in Turner and Hooch. He was a bad guy. Okay. Right? And also here, I found this too. He also voiced Jas- Jasper T. Jowls uh, from Chuck E. Cheese from 77 to 85. Cool. No, I don't know. 
I mean, it's a paycheck, right? But you, you voiced an animatronic monster that scared kids, you know, like, or in the case of my wife, she loves this stuff. Like she loves it, but she never wants to be near it. Like she'll watch all, you know what I mean? Like she, she loves like animatronics, but like when we went to, um, Oh, what was it? The, what the two sods, like whatever it was, wax museum in Vegas. Mm. She would not get more within like three feet of any of the wax figures. <laughs> like, so uh, like, <laughs> cause she, uh, yeah, she, cause she saw the new exhibit and yeah, she, right. <laughs> she knew, she knew what was going to happen. <laughs> Burke and hair coming for you. Yeah. You know? right. Um, yeah. So anyway, the, vo- I, mean, I guess if you, you've been voicing something for what, uh, eight years and you're getting paid, I, you know, here, I'll put it this way. If, if people want to be like, Hey, you know what? We're going to make like a questionable pizza place with robots that say things. I'm available to talk the, in the future. Families will f- have fights at that's <laughs> fine. I don't care. That's fine. Uh, I just, I would love to have like, I would love my dialogue to get more and more passive aggressive as it goes along. But wait, is that robot talking shit to me? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe yeah. like, just like, <laughs> buy another picture of beer and find out, you know, anyway. So yeah. anyway, yeah. <laughs> so uh, next here we have uh, James Woodmore. Uh, Junior, he plays uh, Sheriff Dennis Wells. Uh, one more uh, segment coming up later that we'll talk about, and uh, he was in some episodes of The Greatest American Hero. Uh, he was in some Quantum Leap, and um, he did a lot more uh, directing yes. later on in his career, like uh, NCIS, which there we were just talked yeah, about. Yeah, NCIS, uh, Steubenville. So now he <laughs> like a lot, like a lot more uh, directing than acting. Uh, like I had my notes here, lots of CBS dramas, procedurals, which you mentioned, uh, the X Files. He directed 15 episodes of Quantum Leap. Also, you'll appreciate this. He is the son of James Whitmore Sr who was William Benteen and Twilight Zone on Thursday We Leave From Home, which we know Benteen, sorry, Whitmore Sr. as, um, what's his name from Shawshank? Uh, oh, Brooks. Brooks, yeah. Yeah, so that was his dad. Brooks was his dad. Yeah, I knew, yeah. I, I knew I recognized the name, but I was like, I, you know, just trying to get through these notes. I'm like, damn, all right. Well, so, but there you go. Good, you have a original series, yeah. uh, like, and it's like, nice. you know, there you go. It's one of your favorite actors, like the dad, anyway, in terms of what... One of your favorite films, I should put oh, it yeah. out, I guess. Dude, love so, it. I was just know. talking about that film today. Um, so uh, next here we have uh, Robert Swan. He plays Bob. Uh, Bob the Cook. Bob the Cook. Um, he was in Hoosiers, uh, at The Untouchables, which is another incredible film, and Backdraft. Um, and Natural Born Killers as well. Yep. Yeah. And then next, um, now, how would you pronounce his name? Oh, it, the, this was said on Exine? the commentary. It was like Exine. Exine. Uh, Her name a, used to be Christina, I believe. Yeah, um, Exine. It's E-X-E-N-E Cervenka. Cervenka. She plays the, the waitress. Um, and it was said during the commentary, and it's been a few days. So I was I, I was like listening to it. I'm like, I'm going to get that right. I'm going to get it right. Uh, I didn't get it right. Hey, at least you got the last name. But yeah, she plays the waitress. And uh, she... Um, one notable thing here is that she she's actually the ex-wife of Viggo Mortensen. Uh, she was a singer in a in a like a, a rockabilly punk, yeah, punk, punk band yeah. called X. X. Yeah, uh, and she was a you know a lot of people. And here's another Cleveland connection, kind of sort of. Um, a lot of people wouldn't know this band for doing the remake of Wild Thing, which appears in Major League. Oh, okay. There we go. Um, yeah, don't go Googling the second half of her life because it gets a little off the rails right now. She's getting a little conspiracy theory. Oh, no. It's not good. Hmm. But, you know, like, I mean, but we're she talking. believe in, like, grays and uh, the, uh, lizard no, people. No, no. <laughs> like, that would be that would be funny and okay, but not where she's going. So okay. we'll just, like. <laughs> It, it, it's 2022 when I say don't go Googling what they believe. You just don't do it. Yeah. You know? So the majority of her yeah. career is uh, music-based. So yes, she's, there's yeah. like some nine credits to her IMDb as far as acting. Um, most of it's music videos. And then she was in an episode of Children's Hospital. 
I, that that's a weird show. It's funny. It's like you, but your mileage may vary. It's Adult Swim, right? Mm-hmm. It's very absurdist. Um, that's very hit or miss. There's times where I was like cackling, and the other times I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Which would I think would say that, that's how you sum up Adult Swim, right? Either you're dying or you're like, this is dumb, right? So. <laughs> Um, or very strange because I remember watching what what's the one with the the meatball and the French fries? Aqua Teen Hunger yeah, Force. Yeah, I'm just like I just the sit meatball, there, which you know with the talking fries and yeah, the, the uh, sassy shake and or Carl isn't a isn't Squidbillies on there too? Yeah, I've never I, that one. I just that <laughs> too far. It's, I can't so, handle it. it's so absurd. Yeah. I just I I just well, Adult Swim used to have a show called Assy McGee. What was a private investigator <laughs> that was a butt with a gun? So whatever, <laughs> you know. All right, yeah, yeah. I, All right, next we have up uh, Bobby Bassy McGee as Ray. No, it's Bobby Bass as Ray. Well, we've, uh, we've missed uh, one credit here. Is, uh, oh, Sandy, Sandy Martin plays uh, Lindy. Okay. Uh, for, uh, she was in 48 Hours. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, she's the... The, um, the uh, grandma? The grandma. Yeah. You know, she, she broke her cockix out in the dunes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then she was in a, a bunch of episodes of uh, It's Always Sunny yeah, in Philadelphia. Yeah, she's Max's mom, and she just barely talks. And just like, if she's you go, the one that just sits there and smokes. Yeah, them. if you go watch bloopers of that show, there's just times where she'll just say things like, and you'll just see, um, was it, um, uh, oh, Rob McElroy just just lose his goddamn mind because he can't handle like it's just I don't know. There's just a bit where like she went off script and was like, I don't give a shit, and like he just <laughs> lost it. I, I, like she's really, it's like she's funny, right? And like, um, I didn't realize that she was also. And it makes sense that she was in Napoleon Dynamite. I just didn't put the two together. Yeah. You know. So then, uh, yeah, uh, the uh, the actor you were getting to, Bobby Bass, yeah. uh, plays Ray. So, okay, he's done a lot of stunt work. He was the only stuntman cast as an actor in this. So he, this is conflicting. This is a conflicted statement here. He championed safer working conditions for the stunt industry. Well, that's good. Especially after the, his then-fiancé, um, uh, Heidi Von Belts was paralyzed performing a stunt that Bass had coordinated for Cannonball Run. So it's like, wait, you're championing safer working conditions after you paralyzed your fiance, right? Okay. Mm, a little too late there, right? <laughs> but then he uh, abandoned no. her after the accident. Uh, and then she was rewarded $4.6 million in a wrongful injury lawsuit. So he went on to be like, oh, we have to have a safer work condition. She don't move so good no more. I'm out. Like, just... That's very confusing and frustrating to hear. Wow. It kind of seems like he's a dick. But. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes. That's, I mean, um, I wish I had a ding, ding, ding here. But here, um, how about like, one of these? How about um, here? A robot. There you go. That's right. He okay. is a dick. There you go. A dick, dick robot. Dick um, robot. Um, so, so, yeah, like you said, lots of stunt work. Uh, he was on some episodes of Star Trek. Uh, he was in that movie Megaforce, which I think yeah. you know pretty well. I, well, I... I <laughs> Blearly remember that film. I just I showed it to a bunch of people. The Barry Boswick is yes. In it? I, at one point, he's riding some kind of like machine and goes upside down in a very terrible green screen effect. I need to watch Make a Force again. That looks like a ridiculous Didn't you, film. I think we showed it, or you showed it at like one of the Super one of one of my one of my uh, in house uh, action film parties. Yeah. Yes, but by that time, I was um, I was on my own Mega Force of drinking, and yeah. I um, you know. I just all I remember about that is that everybody on the Mega Force would wear a jumpsuit that had a patch of a flag of their home country, and one of the assholes had a Confederate flag. I'm like, that's not cool, dude. Like, I just remember wow. that. That's that's rough too. Right. <laughs> that's not aged well. Let so, me just put it that way. Yeah. So, and he was also in To Live and Die yeah. in L.A. So I, I don't I don't think it was Bobby Bass wearing the Confederate flag, but it, you could you could convince me otherwise. I don't know. Anyway. Right. Uh, and then next here have uh, Matt Livin. 
Living. Yeah. yeah. Uh, plays Ricky. Uh, he was in Starship Troopers um, and Zoolander and Tropic Thunder. Yeah, a lot of uh, animated stuff and video game work. So, hey, you know, credit to him. Yeah, like, he's getting a paycheck. So. Yeah, I mean, at least he's not voicing like real robots to scare kids. And then yeah. the, the last credit I have here is uh, Joey Sortello. Uh, yeah, Sortello. Uh, plays a paramedic in this. Uh, he was in One Spitten, which I absolutely love that movie. <laughs> no one's That's, ever seen it. Is that the Jim Carrey vampire Yes, film? it's... Terrific. It's a great movie. I, I remember bits of that. I, I think I've seen it, but it's I don't know. It's hilarious, man. I love that movie. And then um, he was also in Traffic and the uh, the movie Blow. Uh, so. Traffic and Blow are basically modern remakes of Once Bitten, right? That's what... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, no, to just change the names and faces. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Blow has Paul Rubens in it, so I don't know. Like, there might be your vampire connection through that, right? So, yeah. Um, it's funny. I was like, I've seen Traffic and Blow, but I, re- I re- loosely recall Once Bitten. Whatever. I've never seen traffic or blow. So (laughs) they're good. Just don't go on expecting to feel better about yourself once you're done there. Right. So fair enough. All right. Um, yeah, that's, um, that's our cast, uh, cast crew. Um, this, uh, like, you know, no, uh, no dialogue, no intro, uh, coming into this. Um, and I just want to set the stage for this. Right. So we, we're in, not that we want to like, try to, um, like, like um, put the episodes together as in like, cause we're watching these by segment, right? So with this episode four, we come in with a uh, little boy lost, then wish bank. And then immediately from wish bank, which is this like Merrill type of ending, right? Like <laughs> we roll into this. Like I can't, it's like, it almost feels like you're in like a prize fight with somebody and they throw two feints and then just bring like the right hook and just like, Oh, by the way, you thought this was going to go easy. No, we're going to knock you the F out right now. So like, this is a complete tonal change, right? So, and we'll talk more about that later in the trivia about how this segment, um, may have doomed the eighties version of the twilight zone. No. Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, tuck in. Um, if you guys have access to, to checking this segment out, please find it. I know, I, again, I know it's not streaming anywhere, but like I didn't, I don't, I didn't remember this as a kid. So watching this was like a first time watch for me segment wise. Cause some of this I'd seen, right. We've talked about that previously. Um, so yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, so we start off with this hard raining. Like it's the, it's the, it's like, like Noah levels flooding raining outside. Right. Um, the music's really good. It's kind of like, there's a st- like steel drum, whatever, like very sets the mood. Like it gets very, um, commando, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's it, it, the music in this case, the music in this, uh, this segment actually fits pretty well. We've not been able to say that about other segments so far in the 80s series. Um, but we, we, uh, so then we have this diner, Bob's diner, Bob, the cook's diner, um, Dennis, who is the, the, the sheriff, right? The sheriff in like the state of Utah. Uh, he shows up at this, the, this like, you know, mom and pop, like, you know, um, I don't know, dot diner, greasy diner, yeah, greasy, greasy spoon. That's greasy just spoon, in the middle yeah. of, uh, off the, it's like kind of off the highway or something right there. Yeah. It's like at that time, it's like, there may not be anything else around. So this is where you're going to stop. Right. So. Um, you're going to, you know, like listen to your Rod Stewart, get some drinks, stop at the Kentucky Rye, and then come here after, right, for your uh, garbage plate. Um, do you know what a garbage plate is? Have you ever had a garbage you, plate? You have described this to me, but 
But I, I think now that you've brought it up, you might want to uh, describe it's, it to the a listeners. garbage plate's like that thing you get like three in the morning. It's just like hash browns, eggs, peppers. It's all kind of put together. Like it's not like there's not like a cigarette butt put on it. You know? <laughs> it's just like like you know. But it's just like it just feels like they just kind of put everything on a plate and just kind of mash it up. It is uh, decadent, you know. So I feel like Bob would make a nasty but tasty garbage plate. <laughs> All right, yeah. Well, like, I mean, I don't know. Do you like corned beef hash? Have you ever? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, so just like, more just, recently just, had some. Just fold that in there, right? Like, okay. can you like can you not tell me that, like, potatoes, corned beef hash, eggs, bacon, and, like, peppers and onions and some cheese all, like, just crushed I'm, together? I'm the dude that gets gravy on everything when I go to these yeah, types of places, so too. Does that not sound appealing to you? Oh, like, yeah. Okay, I think Bob can I make a nasty. Spoons, I think man. he They're can make best. a nasty garbage plate. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. And that's the, that's the lightest part of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> So Dennis comes in, uh, the sheriff talking about like, uh, well, I also do want to mention here that in terms of the mood, every time there's lightning and thunder outside, the lights flicker in this diner, which is a very effective thing, right? Like it shows you like every, it almost shows you like civilizations being held by a thread. Like I, I like that. So, uh, he goes in and tells him is like, Oh, there's a terrible situation that happened. And, um, and the, the waitress, uh, and Bob is like, what are you talking about? It's like, have you not had your radio on? It's like, no, he mentions that there's a ho- hotel relatively nearby that there's four dead. The place is shot up. He's like, it looks like a war zone. There's cars burned. They found people that are just like in shock. Like they're just like, you know, like this is like horrific, right? In this day and age, this would be like a 24 hour news cycle type of situation. Right. And, but it's the middle of this night, it's raining. It's like, you know, he knows about it mentions it to them. And then they're like, well, what do you think it is? He's like, well, people think it could be a biker gang. It's like, well, what direction are they heading? And I like how like Dennis is like, I don't know. What direction do you think they'll head? And I'm like, you're an authority figure. Can you give them a little bit of comfort here? <laughs> right. Yeah. You just told them that these dudes just blew this thing, this uh, hotel to hell. And, uh, you're not quite sure where they might yeah, be Yeah, it's just like, well, you're, are, you, are you doing your job or not? I don't know, because we're making you a burger right now, you know? Like, yeah. like, <laughs> I'd be like, trading information for this burger. Like, <laughs> I'd pull it back and be like, are you sure you don't know where they're going? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, it's have you, have you seen the film Multiplicity? Yes. Yeah, the, the whole bit where they go to the, the, what was it, the copy of the copy of Michael Keaton, and it's like, and he can reach for the Pepsi anytime he wants, mm-hmm. but they hold it back for him so he'll talk. I feel like it's the same situation. It's like, we're going to give you this burger, which you can grab at any time, but no, you need to tell us more about this hotel situation. <laughs> and they just keep him out, giving him Pepsi or whatever. <laughs> oh, I did not expect a multiplicity comment here. But uh, okay, so um, uh, so so yeah, like um, like then at that point, um, which also can I point out, I do like I do like the casting here because we when we get to uh, James Whitmore Jr. as as Sheriff Dennis Wells. Like he looks like he looks like your like small town local cop. Like yeah, he looks very like he looks kind of trustworthy, but also like he has this kind of air of like he has the authority. He has the authority, right? And it's like okay, like he's always a man of control of a situation because that's how he expects it to be. And I think that's important. Like the way he plays it, like you kind of want to trust him, but when like in a little bit, you're like okay, you're you're overstepping, right? But like. He doesn't seem like, I don't know, you could have easily cast somebody that looks like a complete asshole. I, I didn't get that vibe in terms of like the way he carries himself here. You know, like he is overplaying it, but I don't think he's a bad person. And I don't get the vibe here where he's talking to the people in the diner about everything. Like, right. I think it's important. So then we get the family of four, the Griswolds, 
uh, coming in here, right? Like, um, uh, they just suddenly show up and it's like, like, it's raining so hard. They show up and then they go to sit down and have their, their food. And he looks over and he's like, Hey, it's terrible outside. Where were you going to go? And they're like, we're going to try to like go through the night to go to Denver or whatever they said they're going to. He's like, nah, let me make sure you guys get to the hotel at the state line. I'll get you back there. They thank him for that, but it also shows him kind of like, you know, I mean, he's doing the right thing, but also injecting himself in people's lives that they didn't ask him to. Right. Which comes into play here. Yeah, it, it comes into play real quick, actually. So, you know, we have that. He, he establishes that he, he's also like the cop that cares, too. So but um, we all of a sudden see this dude that tears into this parking lot, almost missing well, he Another goes left car. the center and almost like misses a car. And I'm like, that's why I was like, well, is there Rod Stewart playing? Because it's like he, mm. whew, Jeffrey DeMunn would have annihilated that other car, <laughs> you know? But yeah. But I like how it's almost like he he misses the left to center and swerves to the point of like, I'm going to pull perfectly into this parking spot as opposed to like, I didn't plan on parking here, but I'm doing it now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think seeing the sheriff's car there too might be like, oh, might want to just yeah. bring this to a stop right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just felt like, well, I lost control, and now I'm in a diner. I guess it's for co- time for coffee, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, there's a there's a big tell to why this gentleman is driving like this, too, here. So um, he comes into the diner, and, diner, and he just looks like he's been just run over twice. Um, he Rode hard and put away wet. He, yeah, yeah. He's, he's all disheveled. His clothes are kind of messy. He's, he's wet from the rain, obviously. He looks like he hasn't shaved in a week. Uh, he's pretty beat up. So he goes ahead and he tries to have a seat at the diner. And that's like when you get the, the sheriff asking him kind of questions like, hey, man, why are you tearing into the parking lot that like that boy? You know, like you shouldn't be driving like that out in this weather. You could have killed somebody. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, mister. You know, I'm just going to get a cup of coffee and I'll be up on my way. And uh, he he's like, can I have the like a, a piping hot cup of coffee? Yeah, the hottest, strongest coffee <laughs> you got. This dude chugs it faster than my wife chugs coffee, and that's saying a lot. <laughs> my wife will tear through a cup of coffee, and it's like, did you even enjoy it? It only burned a little. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, like, like your wife tapes like a handkerchief and wipes away the blood from the internal like bleeding. It's like <laughs> yeah. it was pretty good. Like, could we? Could I have cream next time? Like, she just like <laughs> expels steam out of her ears. You know, like a cartoon character. Like, <laughs> yeah. Boo! Like a, the top of her head comes loose and just like shoots up in the air. Yeah, like. It's like, dude, try to enjoy the coffee. Yeah. I did put creamer in there, no. so it would taste good. But no, this dude just he tears that, you know, he tears through that cup of coffee. And he asks for another, and you can see the steam off this. So this dude is like, he's chugging some hot ass coffee. Um, he probably hasn't slept in a few days from the way it looks. And of course, we get the sheriff asking more questions poking the bear a little bit more. Yeah, it's we get the idea like Dennis won't leave enough alone, right? It's like no no crimes have visibly com- been committed. Right. Right. The accident didn't happen. The guy stopped his car. He's just getting coffee. Like it's just we've all seen the situation where it's like, you know, like you're you're going to assert your like I I I have rule over this. Like I'm I'm king shit. Like yeah. we've all seen the situation. Like I'm big dog in town. You yeah. don't want to mess with the law. So yeah, and you get you know get that point. And it's he, like Brian Dennehy in um, First Blood. Yeah, that's yeah. that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking about the entire time, and I'm wondering if that was kind of 
some of the uh, encouragement. Well, because John like Rambo's this. character was a nom, right? He was a Vietnam. So we, yeah, yeah, so like, I don't, I don't know if it's a point for point, but it's like, there's that still like, oh, I can't trust you. You're a mysterious drifter. I'm going to let you know that this is how it's going to go. Like, that's it, the vibe I got. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty close, man. And so, you know, through more and more of these con- of this conversation between the sheriff and, um, and Price, uh, we find out that yes, that uh, Price was in Vietnam. And- well, let's let's just back it up just a smidge. Let okay. me rewind this just a second here. So, one, um, as he's having coffee, he asks Bob the cook because they're all like, "Do you want something?" He's like, "No, I'm good. Just a little bit of coffee. Yeah. I'm good." And then he's like, "Do you have beer? Like, I could go for a cold beer." And Bob's like, "No, I don't have a liquor license." And he looks down because as Price is like, "I could really go for like a cold beer." the cup of coffee that was just poured looks like a can of beer. And for a second, Bob is like, Bleh. you know, he has that moment of like, did I just see that? Like, cause he could physically see a can of beer there. And then price is like, are you okay? He's like, no, nah, I'm good. Let me get you more coffee. So something's off. We know right. that. Right. So then after that, that's when we get a price, like opening a, like a pill bottle, taking two pills. And Dennis is like, you got a script for those pills. And, and he's like, yes, I do. Mr. Trooper and credit to, um, Oh, the gentleman who plays uh, Price. Um, when we have um, oh, oh, Scott Poland, yeah, the way he kind of though his line delivery here is great. Like it's very, um, it's disrespectful but respectful enough of just like back off. Like like I you know I'm showing you like you know my hackles are raised, my tail's puffy to use cat terms. I don't know why I'm comparing it to a cat, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's just like don't don't do this. You know, like he's not doing anything. He's just getting coffee, drinking it an unhealthy amount. That's on him. You know, like let him be. And he's like, so he's like, you got a, you got a script for those pills. He's like, yes, I do. Mr. Trooper. And this is where we get like this, almost like, um, this inevitable thing of where he doesn't want to be bothered. However, you know, if you're going to look for a fight, he's going to finish it type of mentality. So like, so we got Dennis and him kind of going back and forth. Right. So that's when we find out, um, that's when, um, price has his lighter out for a second and flips it open. Like the, this lights like a, a Zippo, right. That, um, shows, a, um, a carving on it, like an engraving. It says night crawlers. Right. Well, actually I just take that back. We also, there's a bit too, where, um, the sheriff was like, Hey, I'm taking this family. I'm going to take them back to this hotel. You should do this as well. He's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be on the road. So there's this conflict of like, I'm telling you what to do, boy. And Price doesn't want to listen to him, which he does not have to. Right. You know, like, let's be very important to the, he doesn't have to, you know, like, so, so that's whenever like the, 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 the letter comes out and the waitress is like, oh, it says night crawlers. And then that's where, um, sheriff, the sheriff figures out that Price was a nom. And that's where it starts pulling the threads of him badgering him and getting information and Price doesn't want to talk about it, but you know what? It's one of those things too. It's like, oh, you want to know? I'll tell you. And it's like, it, it's this very amazing. Also, too, I want to mention the, some of the camera work here too. There's these wonderful, like, it's it's um, it's a very small set with the diner, and there's these amazing like zooms that push in uh, on the characters, and there's also like these wonderful back and forth edits of like. It just makes everything kind of feel uncomfortable until they're face to face, like, like uh, Freakin and also um, the director of photography, uh, which I have his name here. Um, one second, Bradford May, like they work together, and um, Freakin 
knew exactly what he wanted. Even he would kind of break the rules of edits in terms of like physical space, but he knew he wanted the emotional truth of the moment as opposed to this is how films are supposed to work. Um, and it gets like you, you can see the back and forth and you can see the unbalance of how like one of them would be in the foreground, one would be in the background of like the larger versus the smaller. Like it's like y- you don't notice it because it works so well. Cause you as the viewer, like you're uncomfortable because freaking and may have such a steady hand that like it, when, when filmmaking, um, and the, the, one of the biggest things about this, I don't think this was shot on film. I think it was shot on video. I wish this was shot on film because this, my God, this would be beautiful. This was, this is like, it looks good anyway. Right. So forgive me. I'm going on a tangent here. Um, when filmmaking's done well, you don't notice it. But the storytelling here is done so well that it gives you everything and it fills the frame that you as a viewer subconsciously are taking everything in that you're not aware that this is a purposeful decision. Um, sorry, Terry, I, I'm, I'm talking. No, it's okay. I, just, I, I, you know, I think you're being a lot more eloquent about how to describe the the filming of this because there is a lot of great choices made and so without the it, dialogue it could have just easily been reaction shot reaction shot reaction shot right. like wide you could have easily shot this like a tv show which it is but this is shot cinematically right right so i think there's a diff, there's a different vocabulary there of what's going on right and it's you know you without even the um you know, the dialogue between these two characters, you can sense the tension because of all the other establishing shots. You can see the other people in the restaurant become that much more uncomfortable too. So it's like, it's just layer upon layer to make this, this uh, discussion between the sheriff and price have more tension. So. Yeah. So then at that point, that's when, uh, like when uh, price is like, okay, well, cause we find out that like, this like all oh, year in the war. So the two things we find out is that like, yes, price was in the war. He was part of a unit. They were, they were called tunnel rats. They were called the night crawlers. So they would go in and do like the dirtiest of work. Right. In Vietnam. Um, I didn't really get into looking into this. Cause it gets, there's a lot out there. Right. But right. it like, they would go in. It's just the way that this is all set up. It's like, they did, they did some nasty, dangerous stuff. Right. Um, and so, and then we find out that like the, the sheriff, uh, Dennis didn't go to Vietnam because, um, when it came to the draft, his number was too high and it was like towards the end of the draft effort. So he never went and he's like, Oh, don't feel negative about this. Like you, like, like basically he's like the whole thing of like, you know, I could have went pro like, you know, like it's just, ugh. Yeah. Uh, that's a perfect analogy yeah. for it because it, it, it definitely gave me that vibe too. Like. Well, you know, I was I was rooting for you guys while you were like over. I would have went, but my number wasn't pulled, so I didn't go. You know, I had bone spurs, I, I'm, I'm, whatever. But uh, it's like I I know I I do remember I had um, a English teacher in high school was talking about like like you and I we we've grown up post draft right we've never had to deal with the idea of a draft Correct. right. But I remember one of my uh, English teachers talking about how he and some friends, whenever the draft was happening in terms of like that, I don't know how the specifics are. So forgive me for not telling the story correctly. They had like a cookout that day with him and his buddies. And they're like, oh, they they didn't take it seriously until a couple of them got their numbers pulled. And then the the barbecue got real quiet. You know, it's like, yeah. And my mom actually um, uh, growing up when she did. She would write like she had like pen pals over in Vietnam and she'd write letters. And there's a lot of times that she found out that that the people she's writing to didn't make it back, you know, and it's like I, I can't comprehend 
that like that you know because we we've never experienced that in yeah, terms not of at like, that magnitude not, no. like not at this like our personal national level you right. know so like my god so for, so for the sheriff to be like oh i was cheering for you guys i didn't get to go it's like this isn't this isn't that he went away for like fun camp adventures you know whatever anyway so he keeps poking the bear of dennis and dennis tells the story about how they like shit went sideways uh, dennis is the, the cop, sorry dennis so. sorry price, price. sorry Price to tell a story about how like shit went sideways. And so about how there was, there was a situation where they were trying to like infiltrate something and it was like, you couldn't see cause it was so dark and the rain was so heavy reminiscent of the night they're having. And he's telling the story about how like, um, you know, uh, someone fired a flare to get a, um, like a point of reference to what was going on. And whenever there was the enemy in, in the view of the flare, like someone would shout out Charlie's in the light and then they would open fire, but things were so foobar that like everybody was dying. Right. And so he talked about how like the way he lived was that, you know, he literally came home walking on the bodies of his friends because as they're dying, reaching out for help, he left them, he abandoned them. And so as he's talking about this, there's a bit about, um, you see a flash in the window and you see a silhouette, which second time through, I didn't really see that the first time there's a silhouette of a soldier in the window as yeah, he's telling the story. First too, yeah. And it's like, Oh my gosh, this is messed up. It's so like, it's very yeah. ghost ship. Uh, <sighs> yeah. Right. Like just, um, or, or, uh, no, de- what was in death ship? Death ship. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. There you go. Um, so, um, so then as he's going about this and then at one point, like, um, <laughs> The sheriff, like, Dennis is like, you don't have to, you know, you know what? We don't have to do that. And he's like, you know what? And Price is like, you know what? Now I want to. It's like, basically, like, you've, you, you've lit this fuse. You're going to deal with it. And it's like, I can kind of see how that would go where people, like, where people, like, or veterans that had to deal with trauma. It's like, they don't want to talk about it. But it's like, if you're going to pull that scab off, you're going to, like, then, like, and I'm not saying they're owed, but it's like, you need to deal with the consequence of your actions of asking somebody that hasn't had the ability to process and had had access to mental health, um, you know, capable, like facilities and capable, you know, whatever. It's like, they've suffered on their own. And if you're going to go and flick them until they talk to you, then you know what? Screw you for, for pulling you, you, if they're going to bleed out, you need to be there. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I just, I can't, I don't know. I'm conflicted about that where it's like, this is a weird time. And and people don't talk about trauma and PTSD like cause it wasn't a thing, right? It wasn't, a, it wasn't known as a thing. Cause a lot of the Vietnam vets that came back were like, people just shit on them when they came back home. Right. Uh, and it was like, it was viewed negatively. And like a lot of them had to kind of suffer alone without any conversation about what they actually did. And how they are people trying to incorporate back into society. So not to make this too heavy, but this is what we're talking about here. You know, Price is a character. uh, You know that he's been bottling this up for a long period of time. And, you know, he's suffering with his own demons. So you get this dude who's just nagging you and nagging you and and, and interrogating you to try to get some information out. It's like, well, you want it. You got it, buddy. So he just starts unloading all this information, looking that much more intense, and this crazy look just like manifests in his eyes and that. 
and you can see the uh, sheriff, uh, sh- you know, the sheriff is getting that much more nervous because now it's not like even a situation that it's just him and Price talking about this. What's this dude going to do in this r- restaurant where there's a family and, uh, you know, the two workers there? Well, because even the Bob, Bob, the Bob, the Bob, the cook is like, hey, the war is over. And he's like, you know, that's why I play at the beginning. He's like, you know, he's like. You know, he's like, but you know, it is over, but like now I want to talk about it. It's like, you've, you've brought like, we're going to do the, we're going to do it now. Right. So then, um, so then he, uh, the, 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 the dentist, the sheriff is like, well, you should come back to the hotel, like have a good night, like just take a like, sleep. And then that's whenever, um, um, that's when price is like, yeah, you know what? Like if you like, nah, I, 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 like the last time I went to hotel, things went bad. And he's like, if you leave me here in this, like this restaurant, Innocent people are going to get hurt. So it's like this whole thing of like, he's basically saying, you don't want this. Let me go. Right. And so the sheriff's like, what are you talking about? So this is when we get into like the heart of what's going on. Because we start to find out that um, for whatever reason, um, you know, Twilight Zone, X-Files, however you want to like say this. We learned that Price kind of has the ability to kind of like um, whatever, like he, he can kind of manifest reality or he can alter reality around him, right? A little bit. Because he talked about how like, you know, he's like, you know, whatever was going on with this war, he's like, I, I think I, I, I brought some of it back with me and it came home. It's like, okay. So then he, um, there's a bit where he's trying to show them like, like he said, they're like, I found this out with like four other vets we think that maybe something happened over there where we were sprayed with a chemical or something, something bad happened. And he's basically like, we have this ability and it's not perfect. And so he says to Bob, he's like, Bob, the cook, he's like, do you have a T bone here? He's like, no, he's like, well, I want my medium rare. And then the steak appears on the grill and it's cooking and it looks tasty. By and the way. everybody so, can see it. Yeah. And so he, um, so then it disappears like shortly thereafter. He was like, Oh, he's like, I can't hold on to this for long, but he's like, but when I fall asleep, it does what it wants to do. Meaning when I fall asleep, whatever is in my subconscious comes out and it exists until I wake up. Right. So, um, then he's like, you guys can still smell the steak, you know? And so like I, everybody that like the waitress is kind of a believer. Everybody's kind of like, Oh no, this is not great. Right. So, um, so then like, this is when uh, Dennis makes like, um, you know, the, the worst mistake, uh, of his life, which shortly is that as, um, as you know, price is trying to leave Dennis grabs a ketchup bottle, which was hinted at earlier in the episode it was shown and like, you know, clocks price in the head and knocks him out. He makes him unconscious, right? This, I, I understand his motives, but to uh, oh, we forgot about the gun too. Sorry, yeah, the gun. Yeah, yeah. It's a, well, yeah, and it's like so the gun. So the gun happens prior. Yeah, so obviously because yeah. he's Sorry. awake. Yeah, no. So like, uh, Dennis pulls his gun and um, and price it turns into hot syrup on a on a ground pretty much. It like burns it, his hand, and the burn effect on his hand on uh, the sheriff's hand is gross. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's like you see, you see the gun melt. Right. So then, yeah, he goes to leave. He gets clocked in the head with ketchup. Right. And he's out. Right. So he's, he's in La La Land. And this is like when this episode just hits another gear. It's just, my God. Go ahead, Terry, please. Yeah. So, yeah. So as uh, uh, Price is out cold, all of a sudden we start to hear something kind of a roaring start to come come up. 
And the family tries to, you know, get out and get to their car, get out of there. Because, I mean, obviously, you know, shit's getting real in there. And you can hear a helicopter flying in. And then it, you can, it, like, the rain is fl- flickering around like there's a, you know, obviously a fan directly above them or something. It's a really cool effect, obviously. Yeah. They, they, like, you never research. see the helicopter, but you hear it. You see it's lights. Like, it's, a, it's enough, right? And you see the flares shooting out. Like, you see... Um, <laughs> If it becomes a it becomes a war zone, yeah. you know, yeah, and then you know you start to see people out in the out in the uh, the tall weeds starting to moving in and that, and all of a sudden there's these dudes with like army garb on and weird ass makeup. I didn't understand the makeup. They just I don't know. It was it was strange, <laughs> and they're closing in on on the diner. And now that now uh, uh, price price is you know he's kind of got these weird colors all over his face and everything like it's trippy yeah that's a weird effect i mean yeah, it's it a saturation really... effect it's very much a video effect at the time whatever right and then yeah. um so wells uh, the sheriff is trying to wake him up he's trying to revive him like dude wake up something's gonna happen here we got to get this guy awake and no one can wake uh price up and these soldiers that keep on coming in and then all of a sudden just start laying waste to the diner it's it's like it is shocking the amount of um, gunfire, like and implied, and not even applied, but seen explosions and violence to the soundstage of this diner. Which and then it's just like it's hard for for you and I, and then anybody listening to this in in twenty twenty two to think about this being on broadcast television because it is it's a lot. It's, it's pretty like, jarring for yeah, what it is, yeah, um, and so. Here's the, here's where I'm gonna put this to you. Did you figure out who the people were that were showing up? Did you figure this out? I assumed that this was the other night crawlers, the ones that had died. Right. Did you see anything else about them that was off putting other than the makeup? Because uh, it's really like, hard. It was hard. To see. Yeah, the detail was yeah, really. One difficult. of them was missing an eye. One of them was missing an arm. So this I, is. I did notice the arm. Yeah, thing. it's very very fast. And it's like so. Not only are they. It's not only that. Whatever whatever uh, Price is able to do to bring back, it's him seeing like them in their last moments. Uh, so they've come back incomplete because they were dying on these piles. They walked over, and they're all they're all gross and dead. Um, and the cinematography is wonderfully done, but this being shot on video doesn't do any of it justice. Like my gosh, I mean, I understand there's supposed to be that implication of like show flashes of things. But it looks like there was a lot of work put onto these guys, and you didn't see it very well. Yeah. It took me the second time through to realize that it was the rest of the Nightcrawlers as opposed to just him bringing the war back, which is still horrific in its own way. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that they made that choice because I think it would have been a little bit more insensitive to do it the other way. And it, <laughs> With the Viet Cong showing up? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I, I immediately got flashes of Twilight Zone in the movie. Like, <laughs> you know, like, right. it's, just, it's one of those things like this felt very dangerous like that too. And with Freakin being the director, you're like, yeah, he would... I don't. I don't think he'd have a problem with the helicopter going that close to people. You know, anyways, we'll get there when we get there. But yeah, it's just. Um, and then whenever they end up in like the diner in full, and like we see them shooting people, they shoot the sheriff, they shoot Bob the cook gets shot, but he's still alive. And it's like it is. But there's also a bit too before he goes to, um, he goes to try to kill Price with like um, like a pot or something, right? Uh, the one father in the corner is like, kill him, kill him. And it's like there's this parallel showing how the moment things fall apart, how savage people will be, you know. And it's like 
I think that speaks to the the terrors that Price le- lived with and decisions he made. But then whenever his, you know, his troop, his former friends show up, they're shining a light on him and he he knows like it's like it's this desperation move of like he says Charlie's in the light. Shoot me. This will end it. You know, and it's like my god, that is dark, you know, like so they shoot him, he's out, right? And then when the the authorities show up and like you know the fire trucks and all this stuff too, um, like there's the bit where Bob is like, oh, he's getting taken out. He's going to the ambulance. It's like there's four more. Like what, they're like, what are you talking about? He's like, he said there's four more other soldiers out there that have this ability of being able to will this into existence, and it's like it leaves it very like open ended of like, well, they're running a terror or like whatever whatever like demons they're running away from. This isn't over. Maybe it's hunting them down one by one. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Is like whatever. Maybe they're not night crawlers, but whatever they suffer through, it's doing the following like yeah. on their ass. Yeah, and it's like my God, this is this is a sledgehammer of a story. Um, and it's like the more you think about it, the worse it gets. Which I think is a a, a very I, I will say it's a positive of like storytelling. Right. Yeah. And I think it's also like, it's a positive in the twilight zone because, um, like, I don't know how Serling would have maybe felt about like the on screen, like violence, but even then they talk about how, like, you don't really see a whole lot. You see some squibs, but you don't see blood. Right. Right. Um, I think that he was more than willing to want to talk about like the baggage you bring home and the trauma you bring home. I think this is one of those ones where you'd have been like, yes, like, like if they're, they're giving the green light, tell the story because it's important to show like these people that have like worked, they, they have served their country. They need help. And if people don't understand it, there's a lot more problems, right? Like this is my God, like this one just got, it just reverberates and gets louder after thinking about it. Like that. Thank you. Nightcrawlers for giving us a reason to watch the age twilight zone. And I'm not trying to be dismissive of other segments, but Finally, something that has some like meat to, and to some dig weight into. to it. Not that, not that there hasn't been fun and good segments so far, but like, but thank this, you for bringing us to the dance. You but know? this feels more in line with a lot of the heavy hitters when it comes to subject matter. Yeah. of the original series, like Death Heads, Death Head Revisited. Yeah, I was going to mention that's a good one. I was uh, mention, Thirty Fathom Grave. Thirty Fathom Grave is perfect because it's almost it's in terms of somebody feeling survivor's guilt. It's almost identical right. in that sense, right? Another one I'll mention, too, is, is a certainly written episode called... Well, he also wrote 30 Fathom Grave. The Purple Testament mm-hmm. from the first season where the guy kept seeing... Like, people would see, like... He'd see in the reflection that they weren't going to, like, make it while they're still serving overseas. And that wasn't in the Vietnam War. It was more um, the Korean and Philippine part part of the war. Right. Um, and then knowing also, like, in Serling himself... You know, he served, um, oh, was in the Philippines and almost died if somebody didn't show up and shoot somebody. Like, he carried a lot of trauma with him. And I would even argue, um, oh, what was that season five episode that you and I watched with um, George Takei? Um, oh, um, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. You know, but that was um, the, um, the, oh, shoot. Yeah, were there any attic? Oh, yeah. damn. I can't remember the name yeah. of it. Right. Well, the one I was also going to bring up, and I can't remember the name of it either, is the one where they're on, what is it? Not the Lusitania, the but the, the ship keeps on sinking because of the yard. Oh, it's called, um, the, oh, shit, that was from the first season. Where the, um, yeah, the U-boat comes. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Um, but it keeps on, re- he keeps on getting back on that boat. Yeah. Um, so the one, I was th- the encounter is the one. Yeah. 
Um, let's see, Twilight Zone, uh, Submarine, oh, no, Twilight Zone, Season 1. Let's. We're going to find the name of that. Uh, damn it, we're here. We're going to do it live. But yeah, it's yeah. it's it's such a heavy subject, and I, I'm... I'm glad that it's talked about in the eighties as well because judgment like, night. That's yeah, what you're talking there about. There you go. Yeah. And it's just like, these are things that should never be forgotten and like the impact that it has on people. And it's a very interesting narrative too. It's just a metaphor also like, cause you hear these stories of people that have come back and they never talk about it. And then there's times where it's like, they might break and like they might hurt those around them. And it's like, it's just, you know, it's like, you can't, I don't, it's it's a complicated like multi like multifaceted thing right like right. where it's like this it's isn't like, a one size fits all yeah and it's like and then like the moment they let their guard down you don't know what's coming out like um I, I remember I was watching um oh there was the World War II documentary that Ken Burns did I think it was World War II where one of the guys who was like a fighter pilot that actually had some success he said that after the war like he never talked to his wife about what happened but there would just be times that his right arm would go numb. And that was his trigger hand, like mm. when he was like fighting, like shooting. And there's just times where it just fall to his side, sometimes without explanation. And his wife would never like talk about it because he just he knew that it was some kind of weird subconscious thing going on. Like we have no idea the amount of trauma people carry in warfare, right? Like, and I want to say, thankfully, you and I. And I would hope that the majority of us listening have not had to experience that, because um, you know you think you might be okay in the moment, but you don't know what you don't know what you carry forward, right? And this feels like this is one of those ones. It's like, dear God, like this guy had this for what, like 15, 16, 17 years, or whatever this character did, and then to find out that like you know he can't even go to sleep because it's coming home, like it. That's dark, you know. Like Jesus Christ, this is a, a very um, depressing. And significant and interesting segment of the Twilight Zone. Yeah, for sure. And a heavy hitter after, uh, you know, like the, like you said, uh, you know, the what was it, uh, Wish Bank? Yes. What the hell? Well, no, no, you, have, <laughs> you have Little Boy Lost, right? So we're thinking about, so where we're at here, right? We're coming to the end of episode four of the first season, right? So we have Little Boy Lost, then we have Wish Bank, and then we have this where it's just like, oh, burr, 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 whack. Whack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whack. Like, just like, you know, you know like, I know like Jack Torrance came in with the, yeah, yeah. the mallet. It's like, just come down here and let me just beat the brains out of you or yeah. whatever. Right. Like, so, um, my God. Yeah. Like, so, um, like I know these were never picked, like they were kind of put together because of timing as opposed to like thematic stuff. Um, just dear Lord, if they knew they're like, Oh yeah, it's wait till the second half. And like, we're going to beat the shit out of you. Right. So, Yeah. So um, I don't know if you have other notes. I have some other stuff from um, from trivia and then stuff from the um, the uh, commentary. Well, there's some notes here, but I'll, let's yeah. see if mine align with yours. So what do you okay. got? So all right, um, they uh, they talked about how like uh, was it um, here in terms of freaking? Uh, they described freaking as intense <laughs> in quotes. Uh, <laughs> that's a fair statement. <laughs> yeah, kind of is. Especially the um, people that worked with him on uh, The Exorcist would definitely align with that. So uh, Bradford May said that Freakin was the most challenging director he had ever worked with because he demanded the utmost intensity from every shot. Wanting more intensity from Scott Paulin, the actor who played Price, we know that, Freakin went up to him and was like, do you trust me? And he's like, yeah, because there's the bit um, right before he got knocked out by the ketchup bottle, how he was having his like big, like just 
big monologue. And we even forgot to mention there was Freakin made the choice to do these cut frames of um, Paulson and like black and white kind of face paint that is very reminiscent of The Exorcist with uh, when they do those flashes of, um, I forget the actress's uh, name. But well, Captain Howdy outside the window, right? That too, but also like there was Pazuzu or whatever, like mm-hmm. you can see whatever, right? It's very reminiscent of that. Uh, it's very much a stylistic choice, right? So he went up to Paul, Paul and was like, do you trust me? And he's like, yeah. So he just shook the living life out of him and it was like, go. Like just put him like uh, at like unease. And then, so yeah, like he put his face right up there and shook him and talked to him and got this performance. Um, you know, your mileage may vary. At least he asked him, do you trust me? As opposed to, Hey, I'm going to do a thing. I don't yeah. know about that. Well, I guess the actors guild definitely would have made sure that he didn't do the fireworks and handgun on set anymore. Yeah. So then, um, so I also mentioned the interior was a set. The exterior was a location. So that's like the rain machines and everything that must've been crazy to do that. Uh, Freakin himself went in after shooting and adjusted the colors to make it that like the, the, this looks different than any other segment we've seen. Like it's very, um, it's a little darker and a little richer in a lot of ways. So credit to him. Um, and so, uh, Harlan Ellison actually assisted with some of the speeches that price gave. We talked about him being a creative consultant. So the one thing I like, uh, was it also want to mention here that Nightcrawlers is one of the most expensive segments to film in the entire series. Uh, especially to the fires at the end, right? So all the explosions and stuff. Um, so that that happened. Uh, and then also, uh, according to Phil DeGear and the commentary, he talked about how this was airing uh, like on um, 8 p.m. on a Friday night. This episode was 8 p.m. on a Friday night, meaning this segment was coming in at the 8.30 part of a Friday night. He said, we had a 30 share going into that evening, meaning he was like, that was pretty good with three networks. He's like, the next episode got a 22. So what he was saying is he thinks that this episode upset enough people that they turned off the Twilight Zone going forward. Wow. Mm. And this was only four episodes in. So, and knowing that we get three seasons out of it, this might, even though CBS was all about them making the segment and kind of like, you know, come out swinging, I think also CBS didn't handle, because they talked, we talked about this before during Shatterday and a little piece and quiet that their goal was to like do a, a show at 10 PM more of like the evening they were shooting for like a later adult audience. This might have ruined them. Like meaning they got much after, but this might've screwed the pooch in terms of like anything going forward, which is unfortunate because my God, this is an amazing segment. Yeah, and then the only other note that I had was um, we know that the Grateful Dead ha- uh, does uh, most of the scoring throughout this, uh, you know, the, this rendition yeah, of the show. Yeah, they noodle. They noodle. I'm kidding. But uh, on this, on the the score for this particular segment, uh, Huey Lewis was playing harmonica there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, thank you. I was I for, I forgot about that. I just yeah, I'm just like okay, great, and the news. That's <laughs> 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 like. Let's bring up a fun yeah sure <laughs> credit. why not right but yeah like like you were saying though about the um you know the the expense of this uh of filming this 
Uh, this was mostly practical. I mean, they weren't using miniatures and all that stuff. Yes. That's not really a thing too much anymore, especially for like shows upon that time. Well, because there's the bit too where was it? What was it? The sheriff when he runs behind the counter. I'm cutting off. I apologize. And the cash register's open. He shuts it and then runs to the door and gets shot. Yeah. Like, look at all the violence around him. Freaking made it a point to have his principals near the action. And it's like, that's very dangerous. And that's why I was also thinking of Twilight Zone, the movie. I'm like, don't do that. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. And I wonder how much that T-bone cost, too, because that probably cost quite a bit. I mean, yeah. it was a pretty big ass. Well, they, they better they better finish cooking that. Because it's like you have it sizzling on this this grill, right? That, Even if I could just imagine freaking over on the side just eating it in front of them, just like, you yeah. guys want to eat too? Not until this is over. Yeah, but he like has it like extra rare, so like there's blood all over. He's like, watch <laughs> me. Watch me. Intensity. Especially you, the kid. You the kid. Eyes on me. Eyes on me. You but know. another question I had, now that you bring up the kid, um, did you see that he, he grabbed up the the, yeah. the, the lighter? It's no, like, so what does that imply? No, no, Phil DeGear even mentioned during the commentary, he's like, I have no idea why Freakin wanted this as a freeze frame. Like, he even just mentioned, he's like, it makes no sense to me. But it's <laughs> like, it brings to mind, like, the ambiguity of it. Like it's the, like, the it's just going to be a cursed, yeah, cursed yeah. item. Yeah. You know? I don't know, but he was like, he said Freakin was insistent on it. He's like, it was just funny, like, you know, he's like, I have no idea. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Like, but, um, but yeah, it's just, um, and then even like, um, Degeer and, uh, May, the cinematographer said that working with Freakin, like that benefited them going forward with any projects they worked on because of how meticulous he was. And you could like, there is not like, there's not a minute wasted in this. And, um, this is 20 minutes. It's just shorter than any runtime of the original series. And it go like, it just, it just, just moves. And, um, if I'm not expecting, I'm not expecting every segment of the H Twilight Zone to be this, because that'd be unfair. Um, but you know, at the same time, it's like at, le- at least we see that there's like being swings taken here, right? There's some ballsy moves, right? Like just and again, we we like Shatterday, we liked you know um, a little peace and quiet. We've li- like for the most part, we've been cool with what we've like you know. There, there's ups and downs, right? And that's what you're going to have with any series. But this shows why this should exist. You know, right. and it's like, thank you, Twilight Zone, for for paying off our due diligence to show that, like, we still need to be here talking about this. Like, this just isn't fluff and comedy. And show that it's still, like, the writers and that, that that can be involved have balls. Like, yes. You know, like, they, this is a this is a story that needs to be told, you know? So I, I was... I was pretty floored. I wasn't. I was kind of like, "Wow, this is, dude, this is going on right now." So, yeah. So they had balls when they made this one. Yeah. So, all right. Um, do you, like you said, another notes. Now that's it. All right. Let's just get the twist. Um. Uh, so our twist rating is one out of five. One being like we've seen it coming from a mile away, and five being like we had no idea. Um. I honestly really didn't know where this was going. So in terms of when we got to where we're going. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give it a rare five because I really had no idea this is how this was going to end up in terms of how just just brutal and depressing this was going to be. Yeah, I, I'm i going to go with a five as well. I just, I didn't know what to expect out of it. The name was kind of like, was like wasn't too much. Worms? Uh, worms? Uh, what is it? Uh, Kurt Yonner? I was yeah. like, what? Yeah. There isn't a bunch of Kurt Yonners around here? Like, yeah, it's a bunch, a bunch of Kurt, a uh, bunch of Nightcrawlers bamfing around like, boop, you know, whatever, yeah. A bunch of X-Men's, you know, <laughs> all the X-Men's just teleporting all, around like crazy. All, yeah. All the X-Men's. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, this is, um, this is a hell of a thing. And, 
Um, I, you know, I would guess that if people, again, you know, we, we, we're watching the DVD set, right? There's not been like a better one put out. I'm going to guess if you guys go looking on the internet, you could probably find this. Like I would imagine that, um, it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube or daily motion. Please, 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 please. Like even us talking about the step-by-step doesn't ruin how good this is. And, uh, Phil DeGear even said during his commentaries, like, People that want to appreciate film and how shots are set up will examine this. And he was like, he's like, now that we have DVD technology, people will go through this shot by shot. I'm like, thanks, Phil. <laughs> you know, like, hey, good guy, Phil. Right? Um, the, yeah, my God. Just, just. But again, think about being like on a Friday night, like sitting down, like I'm gonna watch the Twilight Zone. Oh, there's just a kid and the kid at the zoo and whatever. And whatever. oh, it's Dee Wallace and she has so much and brrr, you know, <laughs> like just. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, like it just, you know, at the end you'd be like, well, I was having a good night. I guess I'm going to bed now. Like, you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> or do you? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> or drink guzzle, like, yeah. hot ass coffee. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, right. So, so, you know, this is really, really good. I th- like, thank you, The Twilight Zone, uh, for bringing us uh, something meaty and just, just, it's it one of those things that every so often is you need your faith reaffirmed, right? Like, and this is, it, it was kind of like that season four thing of like, there has to be an episode in here, right? <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> this segment comes out swinging and it just doesn't pull its punches and it's, it's, it works on all, all, all portions, right? So wonderful segment. Can't wait to see what happens next. And now that we have this high, I'm sure the next one is not going to be so great, but you know what? Now we can keep, we can keep uh what was it? Um, Hope's flames eternal, right? So there we go. So, all right, that's going to do it for our discussion about um, uh, Nightcrawlers. Uh, you guys can find us on Facebook at Strange Highways. Um, we're posting images there all the time of, of the episodes. Uh, and also, you know, like, I don't know, maybe other things, but generally just the screen caps because I like writing shitty commentary for all the screen caps because I think it's funny. You can find us there. You can email us directly at uh, strangehighwayspodcast.gmail.com. Wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. Um, and Terry, how can people find us otherwise? Uh, we're on Instagram, folks. Uh, go ahead and check us out on over there. Uh, give us a like, a follow, uh, share the images. Get people talking about this series. Uh, I, I don't think there's enough talk about the 80s version of the Twilight Zone, and I'd love to hear people's uh, opinions on it. So please reach out to us and let us know what yours, your favorites are. Yeah, absolutely. And also, the more the merrier. If you guys enjoy the show, enjoy the conversation, please, 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 please recommend other people. Um, I know me. I, I'm always constantly having podcasts on. Um, like I don't like listening to me because I know me, and, and my wife would also be like, I'm tired of hearing him, you know, whatever. Uh, but, you know, if, if you guys like podcasts and want to recommend like, cause there's so many watch along podcasts now too. Like I just, I want to, I want to shout out like, be like, Hey, 90210 podcast. Hey, scrubs. We did it first. Calm down. <laughs> well, we're not, we weren't on scrubs. So that one's a little <laughs> well, no, different. But you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, no, I, get, no, I no. get it. I mean, maybe. I don't. <laughs> no, I just, I feel like that's the, that's the go-to now where it's like, we're going to do a watch longer. We've been doing this for five years. Calm down. You know, anyway, so we were there first. If you enjoy the conversation, let everybody else know. Uh, again, we would love to have more, uh, more input. Right. So also, so what, what we're going to get into uh, next here. And now. Mr. Serling. Uh, next week, we're taking the week off, so that's a lie. So I just wanted to like set you guys up for you know, depression. depression Psych. There. No, it's just we have a lot going on. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna take a week off. I think I, having finished the fourth episode in full is a nice little stopping point for a week. But then after that, we're going to get into season one, episode five, segment A, If She Dies. 
Um, not sure what that is, but in terms of our DVD watch, Terry, we're moving on from disc one to disc two. <laughs> we're trucking along, right. man. There we go. Right. We so. got to take the disc out and put the next one in. Yeah. Just let us know in the week off that we have, whatever you guys are watching, if there's any anthology stuff you want to recommend to us, we're always open for other things too. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. We want to take detours. It'd be a lot of fun. So, uh, in the meantime, have a good week, have a safe week. And, um, I, I don't know. Um, like just if the one dude just wants to like gulp down coffee, it looks like he's already having a bad enough time. Don't don't go poking that bear. Yeah, and uh, uh, make sure your steak is well cooked and and, and thought through. I don't know. I have nothing. Yeah. That's what you said.